Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. Uh, I've got a, a show about the forest today, and I've got a couple guys with me, uh, David and North. Welcome. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Cascade Forest Defenders and the recent action, uh, the Goose Barricade that happened uh, back in October. I think it was the twenty third. Um, Maybe tell me a little bit, um, anything you want to tell me about, a little bit of the background of this movement of um, saving our forest. Yeah, so on the 23rd, uh, a blockade went up in Goose, the Goose timber sale, to basically block about uh, 2,000, more than 2,000 acres of forest. And uh, the blockade was up for two days um, before it was basically brought down by, uh, I guess what you'd say, renegade loggers kind of broke through it, brought a tow truck up and moved some things out of the way. But the blockade we had going was designed basically to uh, kind of go for as long as we could. Um, We had it tethered to a platform and a tree so that if anything was moved, then the platform would come down potentially endangering the person on the platform. And uh, once the blockade was broken through, we kind of just had to regroup and figure out next steps. And that's kind of where the campaign is at this point. Um, I should also say that three people were assaulted. Three forest defenders were assaulted on this particular occasion um, within the space of a couple of days uh, between the 23rd and the 25th. So uh, uh, during this action, yeah. So um, now we're kind of in the process of filing some lawsuits and waiting to hear back from that. Um, it sounds like a lot of planning went into this thing. Just maybe just back up a little bit before in the days before it, and and just talk about a little bit of the passion of the people involved in this and their motivations and and uh, what it takes to to take on take on people like this who, who want to, who want to, yeah, take out the forest like that. Yeah. Well, uh, Cascadia forest defenders, CFD is a, a completely volunteer run kind of organization. So everything we do is by consent, you know, consent of the group. Uh, there are often votes cast and the overwhelming majority decided it was, it was about time to do something. So, um, what, what, ex- uh, so what is, what what exactly what you're protesting? Tell me tell me about what um, what's happening up there and the need the need to get out there and and, and uh, make a statement. Yeah, so basically everything has been tried through the the legal means. Um, there's been an environment environmental impact statement uh, that was dragged out for about two years. That uh, there was basically a lawsuit filed by two um, wildlife organizations, nonprofits, uh, Oregon Wild and Cascadia Wildlands, I believe. And what um, we're talking about is, is Forest Service land uh, that it, there are some, some units that, that, are up, that have been put up for auction, I guess. And uh, well, what's yes. it? I think you told me Seneca is a company that, that uh, is contracting with, won these auctions, or contracting with the Forest Service to... to um, Clear cut or yeah. or thin or what what exactly is is the intent what what's going on yeah. up there? So um, thanks for having me on your show. So 
um, back in 2012, um, Seneca bought the rights to from the Forest Service to log the section of the Sisters Wilderness of the Lima National Forest. Um, basically, is basically is what's now called Golden. I think it might have had the same name back then. It was slightly different um, swath of trees. Like I think it was about 1,500 acres. Um, what happened was, like you said, there was an environmental impact statement um, because. Because it was felt that they, they they hadn't sufficiently addressed certain concerns in their in their environmental in their in their prior environmental impact statement, especially concerning spotted owls, um, but some other topics came up as well I think, and uh, this led to so the so there was a lawsuit, the lawsuit was successful and it was concluded they had to redo their their impact statement so they did, um, and I think in 2015 they issued another one, um, basically saying that there was roughly five spotted owls out there, and then. Around the same time, Oregon legislature passed some laws to allow for a thing called incidental take permit. Seneca logging obtained incidental take permits to accidentally harm or kill up to 10 spotted owls. It could be anything from disturbing their nest to killing them. Um, this like new legal confabulation allowed them to um, acquire the rights to cut golden again, as well as another swath called wild. Now it's usually like they call it W, but the original documents was wild. And um, so now it's up to about 2,500 acres between this, those two swaths. And there's a lot more old growth now as well. And um, um, about, tw- I think, 21 or 2,200 acres of it is actually loggable. And there's also a lot of plans in there for fire stuff. And um, they, 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 there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different gradations of the kind of cutting that they say they're doing. A lot of it is basically clear cuts, though. Um, anything where they're like, they have like kinds of logging where they'll take like a half an acre and leave one tree, and then they'll be nothing for a while, and then they'll take a half an acre or an acre and leave like a couple trees. Essentially, it's clear cutting, yeah. they, but but by but by dozens of different <clears throat> fancy sounding names. And right now they're trying to build heliports, helipads. Right? Yeah, they're planning. They they they. A lot of the logging is in pretty remote locations. There's a lot of roadless area out there. There's a large contiguous roadless swath, uh, and um, I think at least a couple square miles. And um, they're going to log a decent amount of it by helicopter logging. So helicopter yarding means that they actually bring in huge industrial twin, twin rotor helicopters to pull the logs out. And um, most, mostly because there's no roads, they're not allowed to build a lot of roads. And it's very steep, um, remote terrain. Right. And that's so that's starting potentially right now, actually. So this debate about how to manage forests is, is pretty hot right now based on fires. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yes, and how, when to cut, when to leave it. You know, I, I know I got to Oregon and, and did some tree planting back in the late 70s and got to see what a... a clear-cut unit is like and what it yeah. feels like when the old growth come down um, and even revisit some of them which now feel like tree farms rather than mm-hmm. a forest absolutely um, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know where do you fall what how where do you, what about forest management what what kind of ideas do, do you guys have in terms of uh, how to manage these lands so I mean I came in somewhat as a specialist I came in back in June is like I can climb trees and I want to I want to be involved in this and this is like a tree climber. So I don't know all the things. I'm not, I didn't come in as someone, I came in as someone who trusted that these other people who I knew 
um, that this was that th that this sale was had serious problems that there were major environmental concerns. I've learned a little bit more about that since then as I've been working on it. And um, my basic my overall take on the whole fire issue, which seems to be kind of the main question here, is yeah. Um, the it's sort of a wolf's garden in the hen house situation. Like it is, it is factually true that there are ways to manage forests. I believe that there are ways to manage forests that like mitigate the fire problem. I believe that like people do have a right to have houses out there. I think there's some situations where like you're putting your house in a kind of bad place if it's such a threat of being burned down to begin with. But like I'm, I don't know. I don't want to criticize people for that. It's it's nice to live out there. That's great. But yeah. But like basically Seneca wants to make money and any plan they come up with to is going to be tainted by their by their greed and yeah. they, they've they've demonstrated they've demonstrated in the past uh in, in a lot of other situations that their that their real only interest is money and um any plan they come up with no matter how uh how much green labeling they put on no matter what they say that that it's 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 tainted by this by this desire and so i don't trust them to come up with a plan that has an appropriate way of dealing with the fire issue and is not also over harvesting and damaging this beautiful this beautiful stretch of forest and it's really valuable forest the contiguous roadless <clears throat> areas are rare ones that actually have old growth these trees are many of these trees are over 120 years old or older are, are uncommon increasingly uncommon and some places basically gone and um this isn't a, there's not it's not an appropriate plan it's it's really um it's really a mess so the yeah. checks and balances we have on this kind of greed is are these nonprofits maybe that bring lawsuits and i mean are you saying there were some suits around around these um these contracts that that didn't go through or were not successful um, well, the suits were successful insofar as they were able to hold up the sale for a couple of years. And um, once the Forest Service issued their environmental impact statement, their new one, then it basically gave the green light to the logging companies to go in, which they're basically doing now. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of wondering if I could say something about the, the, the kind of loggers versus activists situation, mm -hmm. because I... You know, I don't want to come off as somebody who's out there to um, prevent loggers from doing their jobs or to create some kind of skirmish war between, you know, people who, who uh, I'm convinced really love their jobs and have been doing this kind of work for a long time. Um, there's kind of an ideological fight about forest maintenance. And, you know... Uh, you will hear loggers say all the time, we're the real stewards of the forest. You know, we're out there thinning the stuff. Uh, we're preventing fire danger. And, you know, that kind of stuff uh, really resonates with a lot of folks because especially after, you know, these fires we've had near McKenzie Bridge in the last month, um, it sucks, right? Yeah. You, you feel it down here in Springfield and Eugene. It's hard to breathe. If you have asthma, it really, it really sucks. You might even have to leave town. So, um, I think really what a lot of this is about is, is old, older growth. There's not much old growth forest left in Oregon and to preserve what's left, what little is left is so pertinent, so imperative because that is, uh, all that's left for certain species like 
tree voles, uh, owls. You know, in order to really have an appreciation for that kind of stuff, you almost have to sleep on a platform up in the trees, 120 feet above the ground for at least a night, and kind of wake up to the, the sway of the trees and just how amazing it is to like have hummingbirds around mm-hmm. in the morning. Fisheries is another thing I don't know a ton about, but um, but it's been to- I've been told by by professionals who work in who've been working in industry for decades that right now the Mackenzie River um, is actually going to be sort of like sort of damaged for a few years. Uh, I don't know if damaged is the right word, but like reduced output of fish um, because because of all the fires that the fires, especially on the south, I think the south end side of the river were so severe um so there's some some fires were so big and like such a mess that it actually the runoff from that will slow production for a while and it's going to possibly like hurt hurt the hurt like the populations of fish and there's some ser- super sensitive populations like the bull trout which are threatened i want to mm-hmm. get more into the watershed uh, we're going to take a short break right now just up against a little time uh we'll talk more about watershed and also talk a little bit more about the action and, and what happened between the activists and the loggers. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is Rob Tobias. Uh, the show is called Train of Thought. I'm with North and David, and we'll be right back. Train of Thought is produced at the studios of Maximo Productions in Eugene, it's also archived at soundcloud.com slash Rob Tobias. Welcome back to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. I've got North and David with me uh, talking about the action that Cascade Forest Defenders took uh, in the Mackenzie watershed recently at the Goose um, kind of like save the goose uh, uh, movement. But before we broke, you were talking about um, that it's not actually a, a great time to, to right. do these. Yeah. So so even though there's this even though there's this like pressing concern right now about the fires and air quality and how bad it was in Eugene and all around the Northwest, um, actually now is actually kind of a terrible time to to, to cut down trees along the river because um, the river's already going to be impacted. By 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 the by the places that have burned are already going to cause a lot of erosion, and that's already going to damage the the uh, output of fish. So cutting right now is just a bad idea. That was that was the rest of that. Uh huh. Um, so once again, this uh, organization uh, it's probably a, like you said all volunteer, probably kind of loose, but apparently Cascade Forest Defenders does has been meeting for some quite some time and and meets once a week. Is that right? That's right. And where do they, can, is it open to the public? It is open to anyone who has a sincere and vested interest in forest defense. Um, we, we also have meetings on Mondays uh, currently from 5.30 to around 7-ish above the Growers Market in downtown Eugene. And if you want to reach um, someone to talk about the campaign directly, uh, the current phone number for that is 541 541- Five five four two five one nine, and that that's to get involved with Cascade Forest Defenders. Uh, recently, they took action. Um, 
and back in late October and blocked, uh, I guess, a forest road into where the, some logging was going to happen. Um, can you tell me what can you tell me about that action? Uh, what was it like out there? Um, so first, actually, there was a tree set that started in May and went all the way until October and nothing ever happened. I think some loggers came a couple times, but the police never came. Um, and um, it was basically it was basically completely quiet. Um, that sit um, transitioned into this this barricade, um, which is a different location, like further up the road, maybe about a mile and a half away. When they actually actively started cutting one of the helipad locations, when when active cutting began in the in the uh, in in one of the two sales that we were defending, uh, we we moved to a barricade position. I see. Uh, so the sit was uh, how were, were you attempting to call attention to it, or how was the you know if someone just. I goes and sits in the forest. It doesn't yeah. bring mm-hmm. a lot of attention, but how? Yeah, tree, tree sets are usually like kind of a kind of more of a media thing. Um, it, the the sit was actually located on a, on a proposed helicopter pad site, another one, not the one they're cutting now. Um, so it was it was like a somewhat like effective location, but there's other helicopter sites. It wasn't the only one. Yeah, um, it might have impeded. It might have impeded like like the project to some extent, but um, tr- tree sits in general are kind of more for the attention. Um, they 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 bring a spotlight on it. It's a good way to to like bring people out to to meet new people who want to be involved to like train them in climbing, which is a useful skill for various kinds of actions. Of course. Um, but take take me to the moment uh, when the barricade's up, and I'm sure you. I don't know. Who showed up first? First, the police or the loggers? Seven, loggers. In, seven <laughs> in the morning, the loggers came. Um, everything got everything went up overnight, and yeah, the loggers came right away. And yeah. so I played the liaison role. And, uh-huh. uh, that's okay. I don't mind talking about it. So. Uh, when the barricade went up, the loggers showed up first, and of course there was, you know, some. Back. Sorry. There was a lot of uh, animosity there. I mean, they were mad because they couldn't go to work, and it was before dawn, and they called the forest service and the police, and uh, police showed up basically, kind of assessed the situation, and uh, the liaison's role is really to explain to the police what's going on. Right, you can't move this barricade. You can't uh, you, tamper you were... with this wire because uh, the pl- this platform will come down, and then a person's life will be endangered, and you'll be liable. So eighty feet in the air, the platform right. is eighty feet up a tree. Uh, where were these police from? What, what kind of police? I believe they're uh, county. Were they county sheriffs? I I actually don't know. Uh-huh. I think it, I think um, I think we got Forest Service and County though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, you ex- explained it to him that <laughs> your theory behind the why this barricade was going to be effective is because if you mess with it, you're, you're you're messing with somebody's life, and and you know and you'll know it. Yeah, and that's a pretty typical barricade strategy in a forest. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, there have been lots of different ways to do that, and. Uh, 
And how was it just one person that was up and that that was up in this platform? Yeah, there uh-huh. was one occupant. Uh huh. Um, and the rest, but there were other people. How many other people were out there in terms of the full force of that? Not enough. <laughs> Never <laughs> Not, enough. Uh-huh. Maybe a half a dozen at times, different, uh-huh. di- depending on the time. Right. Uh, and so, so how'd it go down? What, what, what? I don't even know how many days it lasted, or what? 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 Yeah. What? What was the the it sequence of? Lasted roughly forty eight hours. Uh-huh. Um, the the police and the loggers came, like different logging representative people came out at different times. Um, the subcontractors who are actually doing the helipad cutting pretty much hung out all day, each day. Uh, the police would come a little bit later in the day than them, maybe nine or ten o'clock, and um, talked for a while about what to do. They inquired with people about about what their intentions were doing this blockade. Um, tried to kind of ask sort of leading questions about what 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 the whole thing was for. Um, the loggers were like relatively neutral and behavior kind of like obviously didn't like it but weren't but they weren't super nasty um of course on the first day on monday um further up the road someone was attacked by a different group of people who were probably working for the logging company at least in some role um Mm. possibly on another but possibly on another operation um they, they 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 kicked this person in the stomach and one of them was brandishing a rifle, mm. and they threatened uh, they threatened their life um, if they messed with their equipment. I think was what they said. That's right. Um, and then, so on the twenty fourth, base on the twenty third and on the twenty fourth, basically nothing happened at the blockade. At seven in the morning on the twenty fifth, the 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 logging subcontractors, the the ones who are actually cutting the helipad, came at seven in the morning, like on the prior days. But in this instance, they pretty quickly set up um, and they cut one of the anchor lines. So there are two vehicles tethered to the, the, the anchor. And insofar as they had been instructed by the police liaison, um, cutting either one of those lines around either one of the vehicles was going to knock down the platform on the tree. Um, they did it anyways, and they cut the anchor line to one of the vehicles and then they towed the vehicle out with with their trucks Uh, and then they drove through and went to work the um so there's video of this um then the in that the the video starts after the point in which they had cut the anchor line itself but um in the video there's like instance there's moments where like it's clear that the person who's shooting asks them if they know that they're endangering the person the, the person's life on the platform and they clearly acknowledge that they do mm-hmm. um there's also a video of that person almost getting their camera slapped out of their hand by one of the loggers mm-hmm. and that same logger straight armed one of the one of the supporters in the neck and knocked them to the ground when they tried to take the tow tr- um, chain off the off the vehicle they were pulling out mm-hmm. yeah so this is a, a really kind of extreme situation in forest defense work where know um you basically have some renegade justice going on and 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 uh kind of vigilante groups it seems like basically saying this is how we're going to deal with you so it's a threat and it's not gonna it's not gonna hold (laughs) so 
Any injuries, any arrests, any lawsuits coming out of this whole thing? No serious injuries, fortunately. The platform did not fall. Uh, unbeknownst to, I think, almost everyone, including including all the supporters I know of, the two vehicles were actually anchored separately, so removing one of them did not knock down the platform. Mm-hmm. It did crack the concrete and, and pull the support part way up, but the platform did not come down. A hairy situation, uh, but uh, people putting their lives on the line for the earth. The yeah. loggers were well aware. They used binoculars. They were well aware that the person on the platform had a safety line. I think it would be ridiculous if they didn't, personally. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's worth reemphasizing, too, that um, some of the conversations with loggers have, have been really fruitful. Like, you know, you'll hear things like, we love the forest and you know we're we're as much uh environmentalists as you are and and a lot of times we hear stuff like well you're just trashing the forest by you know bringing junk cars up here right (laughs) and so uh you know i think to counter that perception you really have to ask what's the what's the threshold what are we willing to accept as far as uh the destruction of our old growth here in oregon um where do we put a stop to it yeah. And I think this is kind of a not just symbolic action, but people saying, you know, we're we're not going to allow this government wise. I don't know if there's legislation uh, or I also wonder if things have changed with Trump administration versus Obama administration. Uh, but uh, I assume it has. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there is a political element to this that people can can vote for the people that will manage the forest better. Well, I think there definitely is. But, um, you know, you have to look at the long view of history here in Oregon. Uh, I think there are half as many timber jobs now as there were in the 1950s and 60s during its heyday. And the population has at least doubled. So, you know, timber is this dying industry. And there are a lot of people coming out of that industry um, who are, who are being hurt, you know, they're, they're seeing their jobs taken away and, and they're seeing the, the capitalists make profit hand over fist and they're not getting a big cut of that. And, you know, so it's, it's to be expected that there's going to be some anger and resentment, right? Well, I want to thank both you guys for your passion on this issue. Um, just about out of time. Any last words for people that are listening on, uh, on, and ways to think about, uh, t- um, this issue well on that note that you just said i think it's important to point out that i think only one or none of the subcontractors are actually cutting right now are from oregon so they're not even really seneca's not even really providing oregon jobs right now um right but, but seneca doesn't care about oregon seneca doesn't care about the forest yeah well thanks again uh this has been train of thought my name's rob tobias we've been talking to david and north about this crucial issue of what do we do about managing our forests and uh, greed versus the watershed and old growth. So um, food for thought. Thanks again for listening. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you.